Okay, guys. So, today's podcast might be a little bit longer, so grab a snack, sit down, get a notepad, because I'm still shaken from God doing what he needed to do with this message to me, because this message was for me, first and foremost. So, I was going on Instagram, and I was just dilly-dallying and wasting my day, and at the back of my mind, I'm thinking of the million and one things that God has asked me to do. And I've convinced myself that external things are the reasons why I can't do them. So, for example, I can't record a YouTube video because I don't have lighting. Or I can't record a podcast because my house is noisy. All that kind of stuff. Um, or, like, you know, I had exams and so I need a week to rest. I don't know. But I know myself and I know that I don't need that much time to rest. Um, I was really good after the first day of writing my exams. and But I was just feeling unqualified. Okay, so anyway, I saw this post, um, this Instagram account called The Delphinator, and it was written by, um, I'm going to say the name wrong, but it's okay, Adeolua Adefarasim. <laughs> I said it right. Anyway, but I can't even explain to you what that post did to me. It was about obedience, and you guys, God came for me in a way that I have never been come up before. He was talking about why obedience is important and not just obedience when it makes sense, but obedience from the very beginning, because God has certain things that he needs to get done in this world and in the lives of people. And he needs people who are willing to do them. Um, You know, you I, I really used to struggle with this concept because I thought to myself, well, you know. I know that God is not mean, (laughs) right? So when God asked me to do something and I just, you know, didn't do it because I was dilly-dallying, it's my new favorite word, um, and feeling unqualified and feeling like I can't do it, I would almost always see somebody else, and it always would be someone that I know, doing the same thing. And I would feel really replaced. And I I felt like, well, I don't understand because God is not evil and he's not mean, but like, Does he not care about me enough? And I would kind of take it personal. And there were multiple times in my life where God asked me to do something and I would delay because I didn't feel worthy. I'd be trying to make sense of like, why me? And then someone else who had a willing heart, which is all that God needs, who was submitted and didn't care if they were qualified or not, would get appointed to do it. And I'd get so mad and I would feel so horrible and start looking at myself. I think to myself, oh no, I must just not be as important as they are. You know, I'd come up with a bunch of nonsense and a bunch of silly reasons as to why I don't do the thing that I probably could have done perfectly fine. I take it as a personal attack and I feel very offended. Um, But this post really called out the fact that, you know, if you feel that way, it's because you're thinking about yourself. And I know we always say it's not about you. It's about the people that are attached to you. There are people who are in need of God, what God has put in you. But then we turn around and take everything personally. <laughs> you know, I think that the entire world is about how I feel. And me, 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 me. So this really big thing that God wanted to do for the sake of another person, I've now taken personally and made it about myself. So imagine God says, you know... Jenny and Lucas need to be saved. And so, therefore, I'm going to appoint Chinny to help them. And you say, oh, but, you know, God, um, I don't feel like I should do it because I just don't feel like I'm I'm qualified. And God is thinking, um, okay, I love you, but Jenny and Lucas need to be saved. And so he finds Stella, and Stella does it. And then Chinny 
takes it personally because she thinks that it's all about her. So when God wants to accomplish something, all he needs is for you to say yes. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need you to have it all figured out. He just needs you to say yes. So that's what inspired today's recording, today's podcast. Because, you know, I'm a results-based person. I, I like to see the results of things. And I'm the type to weigh out the probability of a success based on what I can see in front of me. But that doesn't work with God. With God, it's like when you truly, really, really depend on God, success will always be the result. And you might say to yourself, really, Chinny? But I went evangelizing and no one gave their life to Christ. Sure. But you know, there's that one lady in the red dress. And even though she was mean to you and she told you to go away from her when you were trying to talk to her about Jesus, by the time she gets home, God would have arrested her heart. And a month from now, she's going to go to church. And then two weeks later, she's going to get saved. You feel me? So to God, that's a success. To you, because you're concerned about vanity metrics, you're concerned about what you can see, you think it failed, right? So the probability of success cannot qualify your obedience because your idea of success might not be God's idea of success. And the circumstances under which you accomplish whatever God has told you to do are specifically designed to glorify God's name, not to make sense to you. You feel me? So another example is like God tells you to plant a tree and you start out with planting a seed and whatever soil that God has chosen, you put water in it or on it. I don't know how gardening works anyway. (laughs) Um, And you get the appropriate sunlight and all of that. It doesn't matter if you don't see anything coming out of the ground for a month, two months or six months. The point is that God has asked you to do it. So you're going to do it. And every day you're going to go back and make sure that all is well and you're going to continue to water it as much as is needed. You're not going to abandon it just because you don't see results as you should. And whenever God decides there should be a fruit, there should be growth, the growth will happen. The Bible says that Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it's God that provides the growth. So to you, success might look like 5,000 people following your Christian blog. But to God, you know... Success is that one person who he needed you to speak to because they've been going through something really tough and it's something that you've gone through in the past so you can understand it in a way that nobody else can. And that's why it's so important to not try to measure the success of whatever God has called us to, especially not before we even try because that's where the issue is. It's like, this doesn't look like it's going to work out, so I'm just not going to do anything at all. You know, as Christians, we don't do things according to what we see in the real world. We don't do things according to what it looks like. We do things according to what God wants, what God says. about It's, it's about faith, not about what we can see. So I think about people like Gideon in the Bible. And Gideon is one of my favorite people in the Bible. Honestly, anytime I think about obedience or strength or bravery, I tend to think of Gideon. And it's funny because he's the one person in the Bible that I think did not demonstrate bravery or whatever. And I think even in the post that I had talked about earlier on, he mentioned Gideon. So to get the full gist of the story, I recommend you read Judges 6 to 8. That's pretty much the entire story there. But anyway, in chapter 6, Gideon's first interaction with the angel of God, God says to him, you know, go in strength that you have, the strength that you have, the strength that I've given you, and deliver your people, the Israelites, from the power of the Midianites. And it's just, it's, it's kind of random because Gideon is just this person minding his own business. Like there's no, there's no reason why it should have been him. 
Like it's it's strange. And God says to him basically like, am I not the one that's sending you, you know? And it's like he was already fighting Gideon's fear before Gideon even had the chance to voice that he was afraid. Um, And God was saying, listen, I'm the one that's asking you to do this. So it might not make sense to you, but I'm asking you to do it. That's all you need to know. But you can you just imagine what was going through Gideon's mind at the time. He was the youngest in the family. The last person you would consider for anything fantastic. And God says to him, go and basically deliver your entire country, your entire nation from oppression. And of course, Gideon is just like, um, <laughs> okay, so not only am I the youngest, but like my family's weak. Like, can you imagine saying that about your family? My family's weak. Um... He's like, I don't, I mean, I don't come from those types of people. I'm not one of those types of people that you think about when you think about mighty and great things. I'm, that's just not me. That's, those aren't my type of people. That's not the type of family I come from. And God is just like, yeah, I know, but I'll be with you. So you'll succeed. You'll be fine. So when you look on further in verse 25, God tells Gideon, who, by the way, if you really think about it, is absolutely petrified at this point, to tear down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah pole. So (laughs) he tells Gideon to basically, like instruction number one, to do this really big thing that is scary and basically declares to the entire nation that they will no longer serve a false god. So in verse 27, it's, it's so incredible. And I think what happens there is so powerful. The Bible says that Gideon was so afraid that his father's household would come against him and the, the men of the city that he didn't want to do it in the daytime. So he did it at night. And like, I laugh because I get it. Like he was so terrified of tearing down this false God in the daytime where people could see him that he did it at night. And I feel like this is the literal definition of do it scared but do it anyway like he was terrified but he did it anyway and if you continue to read the men of the city they wake up in the morning and they're like oh my gosh what happened where is our god where's our altar what did you do they figure out that it's Gideon and then they ask Gideon's father to bring him out and they're like we want to kill him and so Gideon's father is like um well I just just feel like you don't need to plead the case for your god because if your god is strong if Baal is this strong then like He should be able to plead his own case. So Gideon was obedient. Gideon said yes to God. He might have been scared, but he said yes. And God then proceeded to provide protection. This is so big because God sometimes asks us to do things that require so much audacity that it even looks dangerous to us. But after you give God your yes, provision, protection, all of that will be provided. And we'll see more as we go along the story. So then we move on and Gideon is now being called to blow this horn. It's like, the story is weird because it kind of like jumps and you think it jumps, but I think honestly, this is really how it happened. I think Gideon was really just living his life one day and God snatched him up and before you knew it, like his whole life was upside down. So Gideon is now asked to blow this horn, which rallies up the entire, like a bunch of other people from different, um, I want to call them clans and groups and he they rally up behind him and just like that so like the spirit of god comes upon him according to the bible and i'm laughing because like in verse 34 he blows the horn and people just literally show up for him so to me that sounds like god provides help so you say yes god provides protection god provides help but in verse 37 gideon kind of like tests god 
And it's interesting that he did this. And I think they did this a lot in the Old Testament because Gideon literally saw the angel of God. Like he interacted with God. And he goes on to continue to test God. And he's like, I'm going to put a fleece of wool here. And if dew falls on the fleece in the morning, I'll know this is you. So it happened. It fell only on the fleece and nowhere else. Then the next day, he's like, okay, God, don't be angry. Don't, I, I, I know, but like, do this for me one more time. I'm going to put this fleece here again, but like, let dew fall everywhere else but the fleece. So Gideon wakes up the next morning, and that's exactly what happened. That's amazing. It sounds like he's testing God and forcing confirmation, and I know sometimes we're told to not try to get so much so much confirmation because it almost shows that you don't trust God but there's something powerful about the way Gideon was asking for confirmation and I will get to that so we enter into chapter seven I think this is where things get really really interesting basically at this point Gideon has about 3,200 no not 3,200 32,000 people in his army and God says to him you know what I feel like you have too many people who are on your side so If I allow you to fight with this many people, you'll think that you guys did this on your own. You'll think that this was all on your own strength and you'll take the glory for yourself. So he says, you know what? Go and tell whoever is afraid that they can leave. This is funny because Gideon is afraid. And like, I could just imagine, I'm like, so does that include me? Can I, can I leave too? That's how I would have been thinking. Can I also leave? So anyway, Gideon decides, okay, um... This is what God says. If you guys are scared, you can go home. So 22,000 out of the 32,000 leave and only 10,000 people are left. And as if that's not bad enough, God tells Gideon again, you know, I think you have still too many people on your side here. So why don't you go, you go down to the water and I'll like set up a test for you over there. And after that, Gideon is left with only 300 people out of the 10,000. So we went from 32,000 people to 300 people in like the same day. And I can imagine what's going through his mind like, hey, um, hey, God. So like five minutes ago, I had 32,000 people and now I have only 300 and you want me to go fight these people. Meanwhile, remember, Gideon is not an army general. Gideon is not some kind of warrior. He's just a regular old guy from a family that is considered weak. It's not even just like people thought he was weak. His entire family is seen as weak. And I think this is such a good example of not weighing the possibility of the results that you're going to get from a situation and letting that stop you. Because I can just imagine what must have been going through his head as he's walking around and announcing the things that God is saying to him. Like it's bad enough that he has never led an army before and now God is chipping away the little power that he does have. And if Gideon had weighed the rules or the results of like what would have happened based on facts, he would have definitely done the math and been like, yeah, so 300 people versus the thousands that are on their side, there's no way I can defeat this army. And so it only makes sense for me to turn around because success is not going to happen. And that's why we have to value obedience more than we value results because we don't know what the results are going to be. We only know that God said this. And so let that be the only determinant for whether or not you do something. In verse 9, God tells Gideon to um, go down to the camp of the opposition. And he's like, but listen, if you're scared, which is ironic because God knew that Gideon was terrified, take your servant with you. 
And of course, Gideon is like, okay, I'm gonna do that because I'm scared. So he, t- he takes his servant with him. This, I think this is such a funny story. Um, it's interesting because I never saw it as funny until today. But he takes his servant with him. And as they're walking down, they see two men talking. And one of them is sharing about this dream that he had. And the other one kind of interprets it and tells him, like, well, basically what your dream means is that God is going to hand the entire Midianite army over to Gideon. So the Midianites are definitely not going to win this one. And honestly, I can just imagine the confidence boost that this has done for Gideon. When it comes to doing what God has asked you to do, confidence boosters will come along the way. You don't have to start out confident. Gideon had no idea what he was doing. He had to get proof from God that God even spoke to him twice before he actually started. But he kept going. And because he said yes, God gave him provision, protection, support, and the confidence that he needed. So as he's walking down to the camp, he hears these two people talking and they basically confirm that God is going to let him win. And that was all he needed. So you see, it's not about knowing everything or being confident or having the full revelation when you start. It's about starting and along the way, God is going to give you what you need to accomplish what he has asked you to do. But if you wait until you're fully confident, until you feel fully equipped, Because God needs to accomplish something, he's going to have to send someone else to do it. Someone who's willing to do it regardless of how they feel. So the beauty is that Gideon was terrified. I mean, think about this. Think about this. God said to him earlier, if you're scared, take your servant. And what did he do? He took his servant. So he was petrified. But the confidence that you need will come if you go. But you you have to first go. And of course, as we read on the story, they take over and they win completely. It's beautiful because in verse 21 of chapter 7, it says that each Israelite took his position around the camp and the entire Midian Midian army fled. So they started running before there was even a fight. Like, (laughs) this is an army that has thousands of people. And then you see 300 and you start running. And then they go ahead and blow their trumpets. And then the Midianites start to fight each other. Like they literally draw up their sword and fight each other. Thousands of people start to fight against each other because you blew a trumpet. I just like, wow. And, and you know what's crazy? The Bible says that these people were like locusts. They weren't a little bit. They were a lot. There were so many of them. Have you seen locusts warm up before? I, I don't like to look at it because it's just, it's gross. There were so many of them. And you, that many people hear 300 trumpets blowing in the distance. And that makes you run away. Not only run away, but then become confused and start to fight each other. So the story of Gideon is one that I absolutely adore because it just shows so much strength and bravery that he didn't have. <laughs> like Gideon didn't have confidence or strength or bravery. And yet he's noted as one of the greatest warriors because all he knew was that anything God told him to do, he would do it. And all he needed was for God to say, yes, I told you to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it through you. Even when he was scared, he would do it scared. Even when he was petrified, he would do it petrified. And even though he asked for confirmation upon confirmation, he would still do it. The point was that his heart was in the position where he said, God, if this is you, I'll do anything. And even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll keep going as long as it is you. And I always wondered why Gideon asked for so many confirmations And I realized he wasn't asking God to confirm if he's good enough the way most of us do. We kind of ask God to confirm our own ego. 
He was asking God to confirm his word. He was asking God to confirm that God said this. That was all he cared about. He wasn't confirming his own strength or his bravery or his charisma. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was confirming that this instruction came from God and that God would do what God said he would do through him. So it wasn't about Gideon. It was about where the instruction came from and who was going to carry it out. God. And to Gideon, as long as he was sure that this is God and that God would do it, that was all he needed. As long as he knew that God wanted to do this through him, he was willing to do it. Period. It wasn't about doing it for God. It wasn't about working. It wasn't about showing his strength, proving himself to God. It was about God saying, I'm going to move through you. And God, that's all Gideon wanted. He just wanted that confirmation. He wasn't weighing the probability of them winning. He just wanted to know that God wanted to do this. He wasn't concerned about whether or not it made sense that they would actually win. He just wanted to know that God said they would. And if God said they would, they would. No matter how scared I am while doing it, I'm going to do it. And I'm sure the rest of the world is looking at him thinking, oh my gosh, what an amazing man. And you know, that's what happens when God puts these incredible things in us. Other people can see it. And the difference between Gideon and the rest of us is that Gideon was not looking at himself. Because if he had focused on his own strength, it would have gone differently. You see, God never asked you to be good enough. He only asked you to trust him. He never asked you to believe that you know everything or that you know everything that you're doing. He's only asking you to believe that he knows what he's doing and that he's going to get the results that he wants through you. So if you're focused on God's results... You won't be concerned with how much you have going for you because you'll know that God will get what he wants to get done, done. All you have to do is say yes. I've lost count of the number of times that I've been so consumed in whether or not I felt like I was good enough to do something. And I would just completely sit back and nothing would happen. And then someone else would take up the mantle and I would feel so terrible because God needs that thing done. That's the thing. He needs it done. And that person didn't accomplish it because they were so great. They accomplished it because they were just concerned with knowing that this is from God. And as long as this is from God, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what else is working out for me or what isn't working out for me. What's on my side or what's not on my side. So that post from Delfino reminded me that the most important thing when you get a mantle from God is that It came from God. Not that you're good enough, smart enough, pretty enough, charismatic enough to accomplish it. The most important thing is that it came from God and God will accomplish it. We hear people talk about how most of the great men in the Bible were people that society would never look at and give a second thought to. They were stammerers, thieves, people that society would consider as low lives or even too young to do anything meaningful. But they were the ones that God still accomplished great things through. And we speak of them today as incredible people, incredible leaders in the Christian society. We, we are so thankful for their lives and we forget that they didn't wake up like that. They didn't start out being perfect. Something had to be activated in them. And if God makes you perfect from day one, a-okay, not needing anything from the very beginning, then somehow, because you're human, you'll begin to think that you were the one that accomplished whatever was done. You'll begin to praise your own strength. So when you go out and you evangelize, if you are the most charismatic, most amazing person, most attractive person, the person that draws all the attention towards yourself, you will thank yourself. You'll think that this happened so well because you're so great. 
So God needs you to understand, baby girl, it's not about you. <laughs> that one was for me. I'm taking it as a personal challenge um, for myself to stop needing to evaluate the potential results and to stop counting the probability of something working out based on what I think considers as a good job. But to focus on what God wants me to do because If I can fix my eyes on God, then I won't be concerned with the frivolous or surface level ideas of results. Remember when someone told me that once I start my YouTube channel, I should never check my subscribers because if I keep counting how many people are paying attention to me, then I'm going to be consumed with how well I'm doing as a person as opposed to maybe that someone on the other side of the world needed to hear what God said through me. You know, it's not about me drawing all the attention to myself, but rather the one person that God needed to reach through the words that came out of my mouth. And so if I make mistakes, if I stammer, if I look weird, I don't know, if I look at the wrong part of the camera, if I, I don't know, if my eyebrows aren't filled in correctly or my eyeliner is running. It's not about me. It's about God. And even when I feel like I don't have the right words to say, it's still, it's not about me. It's about God. It's not about what I can do, you know? It's, that's why Gideon was so amazing, because he wasn't concerned about himself. And even when he asked for confirmation, he wasn't asking for confirmation because he needed proof that he was good enough. He was asking for confirmation because he wanted to make sure that God was the one speaking through him. And God was going to be the one to carry it out through him. And so no matter how scared he was, his whole thing, Gideon's whole shtick was that God is the one that's telling me to do this. And so I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm doing, (laughs) but I'm going to do it. And he did successfully. And he's gone down in history as one of the greatest men. So thank you guys so much for listening to me talk about this because this this really spoke to me. I, I think that I am that person to constantly weigh out like the probability of something succeeding. And so that kind of determines whether or not I even try. And it's very limiting to think that way in a general sense, let alone in a Christian capacity, because in a general sense, it's like you don't even know if it's going to work out. No matter how good you are with checking the probability of it working out, you never know. And then from a Christian standpoint and from a godly standpoint, you absolutely have no idea what success looks like because you're not the one that gave yourself the mantle. You're not the one that gave yourself the task. So to God, success might look like something completely different to what you were imagining. And one thing that really stood out to me is when the Holy Spirit was talking to me and saying all these words to me, he said, the process, the method, everything that happens to get to wherever God is taking you or to accomplish whatever God wants to accomplish, that entire process is designed to glorify God, not you. So if it gets hard or your tactics or things that normally would make you feel safe and confident, like 32,000 men being on your side, if all of that gets stripped away down to 300 That's good, because that means that God gets the glory. And I'm more and more recently, it's becoming my reality that when I have nothing, all I have is God, when that's where I'm at, that's the best place to be. We hear it all the time, but it's so difficult to accept it when you're actually in it, because you genuinely 
have nothing to turn to. I've been there. I am there. It's like, I don't have anything to look at and say, oh, I can depend on this. No, all I have is God. And if God doesn't come through, I'm done. And that forces me to believe him. And that means that when I'm telling the testimony, God's going to get the glory. Not the person that helped me. Not this thing, not that thing, not my my great strength it's going to be only god that gets the glory and once we understand that god wants his name to be praised and wants souls to be saved if we can grasp those two things then i think that our, our processes will be a lot easier to swallow and the mantles that god gives to us will be a lot more important to us when we understand the people that are attached to them and the the glory for god's name that's on the other side so yeah Bye, guys.